Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're listening. This is Overcome Out Loud with Charlie Smith. This is where I get to sit down with real people that have overcome real obstacles in their lives to give you hope and real solutions. Uh, and this morning, or this afternoon, wherever you're listening, is actually a really special episode. Uh, it's really the first time over the course of the last 15 or so episodes that I've done where I get to sit down with a truly inspirational man who can really help us learn some new tools for overcoming really any obstacle in our lives. We've met people that have overcome from addic overcome addiction. We've met people that have overcome eating disorders and diagnosis with medical, medical conditions, and all of them have a formula. And today, my guest is none other than Travis Thomas. Uh, let me introduce you to Travis. Travis is a author. He is a leadership training expert. He is a coach for many organizations, including the U.S. men's national soccer team. Got his roots in improv a long time ago and developed a platform around the three words live, yes, and. He is a very special person to me, and I want to introduce you to Travis Thomas. Travis, welcome. Charlie, thank you so much. Again, really honored to be here. And I love uh, Overcome Out Loud, uh, the podcast, all the work that you're doing. So uh, super honored to, uh, to be in that company. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I, 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 Travis is one of those gentlemen uh, in my life who I've never physically met. Um, the first time I heard him was on a webinar with Limitless Minds and Trevor Moad, who we're both close with. Um, Trevor's much more of an indirect mentor to me. Um, and through the course of that webinar, there were some topics that I really, really was inspired by. And I kind of hit the guys up on the webinar. And, and next thing I know, I'm on the phone with, with Travis, and we've remained in contact ever since. And, and he lives an amazing life. And, and I'm really excited to share his philosophy of living with you all this morning. Um, so Travis, can you, I, I know you got your roots in, in improv, and it's amazing how that early passion of yours turned into this life you you have today and and, and we'll talk about that but tell me a little bit about you know kind of age of of young 20s and and your your interest in actually getting into the world of improv as a start to all this yeah that's great you know i think like most things in life you know what the reason we get into something uh it ends up changing and becoming something different and improv for me was definitely that you know i grew up in in flint michigan uh and so Grew up playing sports my whole life. Flint, Flint is a big sports town. And so sport, sports were my first passion. You know, my dad had a family business in, in the town. And uh, uh, so I, I grew up also with that influence of, of being a, a very sort of kind of civic-minded uh, uh, participant in the community and, and, and knowing the impact that that has. But um, yeah, so, you know, growing up in the Midwest uh, and playing a lot of sports, I went to college. Uh, you know, soccer was my passion. So I played soccer in college, uh, but graduated. I met my wife at school. And so she and I were, were babies when we got married. <laughs> we're not babies anymore, but we were babies, <laughs> babies when we got married. And, and you know, then we started our, our sort of our life adventure together. And that started in Michigan for uh, a couple of years. And then we went to St. Louis for a year. And then we found ourselves in Boston, both, both with kind of professional corporate jobs, but being young, no kids, living in Boston, and just having a great time enjoying the city. And I had grown up loving comedy. Comedy was just super important to me. I did a little stand-up comedy in college. When I say a little, I think I did it twice uh, on campus sort of competitions. And, but it was always enthralled with comedy and specifically improvisation, but never had a chance to do it or, or learn it. There was, a, there was a group on campus, but they were the theater kids. And you know I was an athlete, so it didn't mix. And, so here we are living in Boston, you know, I'm probably 25 at the time, you know, 24, 25. And we went to an improv theater that had just opened a few months previous. And it was our first weekend there. We saw the show and like, I just, I'm just blown away the entire time. Like there's six people on stage, they're taking audience suggestions and they're just turning it into like magic on stage. It really is to me like improv done well is like magic on stage. And I just remember walking out thinking like, not I, I need to become a professional performer, but I like, I need to know how they do that. How do you know, like what, what, what skill set allows them to do that? And so I called and I'm like, Hey, do you guys have classes? Do you have a training center? And they're like, yeah, we, you know, we got this whole training center. I'm like, can I do it? And they're like, sure. So I signed up for class and I, and come to find out they were such, they were such a young theater. I was in the first, you know, ever training center class at level one and ended up staying in it all the way through level six and graduating. 
but like from class one, I was hooked and I wasn't, I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to turn this into a career 20 plus years down the road. I was just like, this is so cool. And it has such huge implications to, to my life, but I just loved it. It was fun. And, but, but really quickly, you know, here I am, I'm newly married. I'm working in a corporate environment and I have this, you know, sports as a background and I'm looking at all these different aspects of my life through this lens, this new lens of improvisation and the principles that go into it. And it just, it was just like one of those transformational moments in your life where you just start looking at things differently. And, and that was the beginning of it. And I just so happened, you know, I, I graduate from the training center. I'm able to audition and make their touring company where you just kind of, you know, you augmented the main stage cast and you did private shows and college shows in the area. And then I kind of, over the next couple of years, worked my way up the, the ladder and was eventually performing on the main stage with the, you know, with those stars that, you know, I saw, you know, the first time I, I, I saw a show and was just loving it and did that for about four years. And then my wife and I moved to, to Florida uh, after our first child around uh, 2003, 2004. And I found two guys down here with improv backgrounds. And we started a group down here in South Florida, the three of us. And even though all three of us have gone in different directions, there's always been two of us in town. And so we've, we've been performing ever since 2004. So here we are 2021, the fact that we've been performing for that long and I've been doing improv for this long, it's been crazy. But through that journey of time, I went from, you know, this is something that's fun to be becoming a performer to being a part-time performer and, and realizing that I think, I think I can take these ideas and share them with the world in a bigger way. And that's really what the journey has looked like, Charlie, for the last 15, 16 years. Wow. I, I mean, first of all, ama amazing. Second of all, I think one of the, one of the early lessons that I, that I hear when I listen to that story from you is the importance of believing in the start of our journey. You know, I mean, if you were to see yourself, you know, as a, as a young man in Boston who wanted to go do some state, some, some improv and learn about it, and you were curious and you signed up for that first class, you know, that that would lead you to becoming this, be, being able to marry that passion of sports and loving sports with that improv. I mean, you, it didn't dawn on you then, but I think we all need to understand that, you know, the man on top of the mountain does not get dropped off on a helicopter, <laughs> right? I mean, there's this path, this journey we take, but yeah. it all starts with our intention. And I just love how, you know, your commitment to uh, improv early on led, led you to this life. It's like when I, when I hear people get out of school with a degree in kinesiology, it's like, you know, the job is the, the head trainer for the Lakers is taken, but you might be able to just start training one person. And, and I've seen people just follow their passion and, and lead to amazing places. And that's what I think is so inspiring about where you took this. And when you talk about the principles of, of improv, because I know your, your platform is, is live. Yes. And can you maybe share because uh, I know that's the embodiment of, of, of your foundational training. Can you talk a little bit about where that principle came from and how that was so important to improv and what that actually means? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, so, so yes, and so obviously my, my company is called Live Yes, And, but the, the two words, yes, and themselves are, are foundational to all of improvisation. So, so no matter who you are, if you've taken any improvisation class at any point, the first thing you learn is yes and. And uh, even the roots of where that came from, I've, I'm trying to, I've tried to do some historical research on it and there's no one person that, that is coined with, this is the per first person that said yes and. So everyone just kind of agrees like, hey, we know it's the foundation of improvisation. We don't know who, who is the first person, but hey, it just is. And so it is that foundation, even anyone with acting experience, right? Improvisation is, is, a, is a part of learning acting. And so everyone know, understands this concept of yes and. And really Charlie, so it, it reinforces this idea for me is that each and every one of us are improvisers. Hmm. You know, we just are. Every single one of right. us is, is improvising our way through life. We just think that we're not because A, we're not standing on a stage and doing it for laughs. Or B, we're thinking like, well, I'm not, I'm not improvising. I know what's, I know what's going to happen today, or I know what I think is going to happen today, which is even com uh, uh, comical to think that as we're sitting in this pandemic, right? Because we all saw this coming clearly, and so, so each of us, we have assumptions 
uh, predictions of what is going to happen throughout our day-to-day -day lives. And we know that it's, you know, maybe, that, maybe everything doesn't go exactly as planned, but it'll probably happen within a general idea of what I expect to happen. And so I'm comfortable in that so I can deal with that. But the reality is none of us know what's gonna happen to us on a day-to-day -day basis. And so we're constantly just responding and reacting to whatever is happening to us. Therefore you're improvising, right? Mm -hmm. You're not operating from a script. You might be operating from assumptions, but not a script. So in improv, so they've just turned that into, okay, what makes improvisation possible? And it's those two words, it's yes and. Yes is accepting whatever idea is shared on stage as real, as true. So for, as improvisers, you know, and I, I, you and I are going to improvise later, right, Charlie? I hope so. Yes. I mean, as, okay. as much right. anxiety as that provokes in me, yes. as you know, from, I, I, I want you we're to be definitely going to. Yes, for sure. We're going to. <laughs> so we'll, we'll do that later. But if you and I are performing on stage, um, you, you know, the lights go down. Maybe we take a suggestion from the audience and they like, we'll take the suggestion of, of Western. Great. Okay. The lights go down, the lights come up. I look at you, you look at me. I have no idea what you're thinking. You have no idea what I'm thinking, but, but you and I both know whatever Charlie says to me, I'm going to say yes and to it. And whatever I say to Charlie, he is going to say yes and to it. So the lights come up, you look at me, Charlie, and you say, look, that woman is tied to that train track. I wasn't expecting that, but you know, I'm going to say yes. So yes is me going, yes, I accept your idea. Yes is acceptance. I accept your idea as, as real. Because if I say no, or I disagree with you, it completely halts our scene. It just right. screeching. Because like, why would I say no? We're making it up on the spot. So there is no wrong answer. Another improv principle, right? There is no mistake. There is no wrong answer. So if you know, I'm going to say yes. So I just say yes. And so yes is acceptance. It's agreement. The and is I'm listening to your idea and I'm going to build off of it, which is giving you an idea back. So yes, and there's, there's an ax over there, we can cut her free. And you say, yes, and you're going to yes, and my new idea, you're going to say yes, and we need to hurry, a train's coming, it's less than a mile away. And all I have to do is yes, and your new idea, yes, and if we don't hurry, you know, she's going to go splat, right. And so all we're doing is, is telling the story one yes, and at a time. Yes is acceptance and is responding and building. Accept what is going on, respond to it and build off of it to be in collaboration. So improvisation is this completely democratic, collaborative experience of working with someone else to tell a story, to create a story that's never been told before. And so as long as you and I adhere by those two words of yes and, we're always going to be on the same page. And you know that you can take a risk because I'm going to yes and you. And you know that you can't make a mistake because I'm going to yes and you. And so in improvisation, the best scenes, the best stories happen when an actor makes a mistake, makes a genuine mistake. And instead of going, what are you talking about, Charlie? That's not what that word means. The other actor yes ands them and, and turns their mistake into magic, into genius, into gold, because there are no mistakes. And so you, you end up the best scenes, and this is, this is life too, the best, the best scenes, the best things that happen in life often come from mistakes or often, often come from something happening that we weren't expecting to happen. And we say yes and to it, and it opens up, it's a new portal to discovery, right? In, in improvisation, we say mistakes create portals of discovery. Why? Because no one was planning it. No one was intellectually, you know, planning it. And so it's a new world that's never been explored before. And so that's where, that's where real discovery happens. Wow. I mean, there's, and, and, and as I hear this, um, the two real kind of principles that, that, that come to mind is vulnerability and authenticity and how in yeah. that experience and, and, a, and a bit of trust too. I mean, you're trusting that your partner on the stage <laughs> is going to, you know, adhere to kind of these, these parameters that are set, but you've got to be very vulnerable and, and really it draws out some real authenticity because as you're thinking on the spot, it's your true self that's being exposed there. I mean, is that, yeah. is that, is that accurate? 
Oh, that's that, that's spot on. And, and I love what you say, a bit of trust. That would be a great improv group name. Right? <laughs> Welcome, a bit of trust, because it is, it is extremely vulnerable and, and, and it's extremely naked because you are, you're out there with nothing, right? This idea of you're out there with nothing. But if Charlie, if you're out there with me, we're both out there with nothing, but we've got each other. So as long as we adhere to yes and, we're going to be fine. So now we've got each other's backs, right? We don't need to know what's going to happen. Yeah. We just we just need to know like whatever whatever happens next, we're going to yes and it. So that vulnerability and trust is huge. You know, I've been performing with these two guys now for over 16 years. We rarely have time to get together to rehearse, but we'll do a show and you know, we'll do a 2-hour show. There's usually two of us. We'll do a two-man 2-hour show. And for two hours, like you've got a little pressure of standing up there and being funny. And so you get on stage and I look at my partner across from me. I'm like, man, this guy has my back. I, I trust him with my life up here on stage. And he, and he, and he feels the same way. So now I can be authentic. I can be vulnerable. I can take risks because I know he has my back. In fact, there's a mantra in improvisation, which is, my goal is to make my partner look brilliant. Wow. Right? That's empowering. And so, yes. And, what, and therefore, what is my partner's goal? My partner's goal is to make me look brilliant. So if you and I are doing a, a scene or a show, Charlie, the entire time my mindset is, what is Charlie doing and how can I make him look good? And Charlie, you're looking at Travis and going, what is Travis doing and how can I make him look good? So my engagement and my focus is on you and your needs your engagement and focus is on me and my needs. And all we're doing is building, listening, building, taking care of each other, taking care of each other, taking care of each other. And so now there's that total trust and safety. We are safe in that environment because we're taking care of one another. And, 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 so and it, it speaks to the energy, I'm, I'm sure of how, I mean, you know, what, what I'm drawn to is, you know, today, especially in the world of social pressures where people are comparing themselves yeah. so much to other people or yeah. jealousy and envy and all of these things that are coming out and hearing what you're talking about, I've always kind of lived by this mantra of, you know, we don't make our candle any brighter by blowing someone else's candle out. Our candle is our candle. In fact, when we focus on someone else's candle or the energy to blow it out, we're actually losing the energy that we have you know, that we can apply to our own lives. And so when you're building your, your when your focus is truly on engagement and, and seeing what you can do to be of service or, or make your other partner better, the energy I'm sure takes on all of that, the presence of all of that, call it positivity or, yeah. um, or collaboration. Absolutely. Wow. You know, and we all know what, when, when you're in a relationship, when you're, where you're in a relationship in your life, that's built around trust and safety you know, how, how good that feels. And in fact, we can, each of us, you can probably count on one hand and the number of relationships in your life where you feel completely safe to be authentically vulnerable, right? And, and so the more we, we, we focus on creating those relationships, the more safety, the more fulfillment we have in our life. And so, so, so much of my work, Charlie, is taking those ideas of yes and, of collaboration, of connection, of building a safe relationship on stage and saying like, how is that any different than my marriage? How is that any different than my friendships? Why is it different in the corporate workplace where I work? And how is that different in the world of sports, right? I, I guarantee the most successful sports teams have teammates that are trying to make their other teammates look good. For sure. Right? Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and to work in an environment where you have coworkers and managers and CEOs and bosses that are trying to take care of one another and make each other look good. Why do those companies perform so well? I mean, it's like, duh, it's not rocket science, right? When, when people take care of people, you're going to, you're going to perform at a higher level. That's that idea of psychological safety, right? It's, it's that it's such a fancy word, psychological safety, but all psychological safety is, is environment or relationships of trust, respect, and value. When I feel trusted, respected, and value, it gives me permission to be authentic. We only show up authentically, Charlie, when we feel safe. If I don't feel safe, I'm not going to be authentic because that's vulnerable. But when I feel safe, now I can be authentic, and now we can actually create meaningful relationships because you can't create a meaningful relationship until someone's being authentic. 
<laughs> so it's this cyclical thing. Uh, and, and, and that's what unleashes true, you know, high performance is people, you know, allowing their vulnerabilities to be on the table, their fallibilities to be on the table, their, you know, their blind spots to be revealed and exposed. Why? Because the people you're doing it with genuinely care about you and they have your back. And, and, and that's, that's what you have on stage when, when improv is being done well, but that's what you have in the most meaningful relationships in your life is, is people who, who have your back, which gives you the safety to be yourself. Yeah, it's amazing. And that, I think it, you know, I was recently looking at an article on culture, team culture and collaboration and the power of, of, of working as a team. And, and I, I looked at this study that was done about the old plow horses and how one, how, how much weight one plow horse could pull, you know, about 300 pounds or 400 pounds. And, and then you put another plow horse next to it and it's not 600 pounds. It's 800 pounds. The first couple of days they work together. And by a week, they can almost triple the amount of weight that they can pull just by the energy that's brought together by the two of them together. You know, I, I've, I've done a little bit of, I won't say competitive running, but even in a 5k when I'm running by myself, I have one time, but you put me in that group of people, the energy of the whole group, yeah, the signs, yeah. the music, but the starting line, and you can, I mean, I, I didn't do anything different. My legs didn't get any stronger. It's just that, that human connection and that energy and the environment of collaboration really allows us to perform at a higher level, which is kind of what it's exactly what you just described yeah and you know I, I, by the way i love i love the the horse story i it's such a powerful story it really is uh and I, and I think what it exposes again is is we are you know we we've evolved from millions of years. we're community right we're community creatures right we thrive we thrive in community settings and we thrive you know by taking care of one another and and, and so and, and you can see it, you can feel it. The more, the more separated, the more splintered, the more isolated you become, the, the, the less you feel you belong, right? And, and how much of our value is tied to the sense of feeling valued and feeling like you belong. And when we find ourselves in community with others who, who genuinely care about us and we care about them, you know, you see that to your point, the, um, uh, the the multiplied force that that has in in in, in performance and happiness fulfillment you know everything across the board that's why i always encourage and, and i'd say to a person you know of all the men and women that have come on and talked about their journey overcoming obstacles in their lives to a person all of them have talked about the importance of finding a community to reach out and ask for help finding a community of people they identify with you know that will just even when they're tired that will keep reaching their hand out um and and you know i think we've we've dug into that here and, and shown how live yes and applies to that and how improv is, has led you to teach that to teams and corporations and individuals and you know i'm in long-term recovery as you know and, and have had some uh, you know violent uh, childhood and overcome childhood trauma. And, you know, we both follow in, in you in, in the sports performance world, you know, look at a lot of different the theories that have, have helped athletes be propelled. And, you know, in recovery, one of the things we learned very early on is the serenity prayer, which is simply yeah. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In sports, you know, we, we've heard the theory, you know, that Trevor's made famous in, in his book, you know, around neutral thinking. Yeah. But in my opinion, neutral thinking and the serenity prayer, whether it's recovery or sports performance, or even in the corporate world, can really be in, can really be boiled down to live yes and because Yes, and is simply accepting the reality without judgment of what's occurred yeah. in my life and deciding what I'm going to do next. And I think, you know, as we get into this next segment um, and, and really build on that philosophy, you really are, um, in my opinion, kind of a master of understanding what we control and what we don't control and really mm -hmm. looking at yes what's happened happened good bad or indifferent we don't deny yeah. it i think that's yeah i think that's one of the hang-ups with positivity is it yeah. implies something's good for us and it's like it's not good to be in a pandemic but yes we're in a pandemic and the empowerment comes from the choice i get to make am i going to still get up and go for a walk am i going to still get up and call my friends am i going to still get up and eat right and really is empowering for us and so can you talk a little bit about i mean i know i I, I unpacked a little bit there with the serenity wow. prayer and with sports, but it really is. Yes. And is really embodiment for me of both of those things. And it's simply put. 
Yeah, I mean, Charlie, you 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 nailed it, right? You know, and so when I when I talk about yes and, you know, I can talk about it in a team environment, in a corporate environment, relationships, and and really from a collaborative as a collaborative tool. Uh, but for me, to your point, I, I just call it like yes and 3.0 is is a, as a spiritual foundation, right? The reason I I, I call it live yes and is is because really truly, you know, my wife and I and our our family we've been trying to live yes and 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 if i when when i look at every aspect of life i'm like that's it right it's just not what is happening but just can you live yes and in this moment and to your point right yes you know with that serenity prayer it's acceptance right acceptance of 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 what is you know you've heard me say this before but i believe that yes and is radical accept, radical collaboration with reality uh. To, to yes and is to be in radical collaboration with reality. So what is that radical collaboration? Well, yes, this is happening. Like you said, you don't have to bring any judgment to it. We're going to bring judgment to it because we're humans, we're judgment machines, that's what we do and that's fine. But whatever is happening to you has no value until, <laughs> until you bring your value to it. You know, like my blue wall here, right in my office, like, I like blue. Blue is one of my favorite colors. So I look at the wall and I'm like, ah, I really like blue. But if, if, if you're sitting on the other side, Charlie, and you're like, you know what, blue, I hate blue. It's my you know, least favorite color. You're looking at the wall, you're like, well, that's an ugly wall, Travis says, or I don't like blue. Well, well, what's truth? We talk about truth. What is truth? Truth is it's just a blue wall. There's no value to it until you bring your lens to it. And I bring my lens to it, my perspectives, my beliefs. And then we just then let it impact us internally because we've brought our judgment to it but life is simply just happening whatever is happening to us it has no value until we judge it and and so the yes part is just the acceptance that whatever is happening good or bad that is what that is what is happening you know Rumi says say yes quickly right so if we can just say yes quickly even before we judge it yeah this is what's happening yes yes I, I just lost my job and now my, my ego can catch up and go, this is horrible. We're screwed, right? Or, or it can say, this is awesome. I wanted to leave this job forever. Like whatever it is. But the fact is you've lost your job or I've just been diagnosed with an illness or wow, we're in a global pandemic. It just is what is happening. Yes. But we also know that we can spend so much time. We can spend a lifetime being in denial of what is happening or what has happened. And if you, and in denial, it's just, it's, it's holding you back from moving forward. But that yes is yes, this is what's happening. Boom, now we're in collaboration with, with facts, with reality. And the and is where you have power. Yeah, that's but right. Don't mistake power with control, <laughs> but it's where you have power. It's where you have, and you have influence in your power. The and response is you choosing focus on choosing you choosing how you're going to respond to it not what the outcome's going to be how you're going to respond to it and so if i'm really clear charlie on who i am and what i'm about you can call it your why you can call it your purpose you can call it your reason for being the more clarity i have around who i am and what i'm what i'm about I say yes to whatever is happening to me because you can never control what happens to you 100% of the time ever, but I always 100% of the time get to control how I respond. And so when I put all of my energy into my and my yes and response, that's where I have power. And as that response is connected to my why or my purpose, I'm going to have peace around how I respond. Again, not being able to control an outcome. And to your point about like positivity and, and you know, so I, when, when I talk about positivity, I was like, hey, like being positive doesn't mean that the outcome is gonna be better. It just means you're gonna feel better about the outcome. <laughs> <laughs> well said. And so well, what I look at it from a realistic standpoint, I'm like, if I ask the audience right now, I'm like, hey, if I asked you to think negatively about a situation and I asked you to think positively about the, a situation, neither one of those changes or dictates the outcome. But if I said, which one feels better? 
like physically feels better in your body to think positively about something or to think negatively about something. Most people can say, well, it feels better to be positive. It's like, be positive. We know that that's not creating the outcome, but man, if I could choose between feeling good or feeling bad and I choose to feel good while I continue to accept what is happening and choose how I'm going to problem solve the best possible solution, if I happen to be positive, I'm going to feel better about how I feel. And so it's, it, for me, it's like, hey, just make the, hey, which feels better to you? Yeah, go, go with that. But when it comes to having an impact or an influence, that yes is acceptance, that and is choosing a response that, that is most in alignment with who you really are. And then yes, and, and then yes, and, and then yes, and. So I, I, let, let's first, I think, because what you described, you know, that choice of how I want to react emotes a feeling in us and that feeling can carry with us, right? I mean, what yeah. we what we think about expands. And so if we focus on the negative, the negative is really going to expand inside of us. So I, I thought maybe we'd give everybody a real life example uh, to help them that's probably happened to all of us. And maybe you can walk us through how yes and can help us. And then I want to talk about the importance of value. So everybody on the freeways here in California, and I'm sure probably in Florida, or especially in Boston, God, my goodness, I've, I grew up on the East Coast. So I, I know about Boston has experienced that situation with getting cut off, you know, the, the rush driver needs to get off the freeway, you know, you're on your way to work, you get cut off. And, and, you know, we know where road rage has led led us. And so let's yeah, just break yeah. yes and down into a, a normal morning of, you know, a leisurely drive to work. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the, uh, the other car comes and, and cuts us off. And, and now we've got it. Now we've got an opportunity to practice. Yes. And so I'm going to let you walk us through how that would serve us in, in, in the best possible way. Yeah. And so I'm down here in South Florida. We have I-95, I-95 that runs, you know, all the way up to the Northeast. You bet. The further South you get on 95 in Florida uh, and closer to the Miami, like I-95 is a speedway and it is a speedway where you do not adhere to pass on the left, get over on the right. So it is like, it's, it's a whole lot of weaving. And so I teach my kids, right? My kids are all getting to that driving age. I'm like, your head here, you got to be checking mirrors, heads on a swivel. Don't assume that. I'm... So like, my wife is like, relax, relax, relax. Right. I'm like, I know, but they got to know. Uh, and so like, so whenever I'm on the highway here, like I'm on my toes and to your point, yeah, like I'm getting cut off all the time from the extent that um, it's, it's scary, you know, and what, and what happens, right? So most people jump to our reaction was, was anger. But if, if, we, if we know there's a route to anger, anger is actually the secondary emotion. The initial emotion was fear. Mm-hmm. The, the initial emotion that sparks the anger is fear. I feared for my life or I feared for someone else's life. And as a result of that, I got angry. So that road rage is really, is really grounded in fear. So if we can actually address the fear and not the anger, we're, we're going to be in better shape. So, so that guy cuts me off on the road, like, oh my gosh, I could have died. Now I'm furious. And so if we're unconscious, Charlie, we know this, if we're unconscious and we allow ourselves to, if we allow our emotions to take over, we're going to have road rage. And we just had a, a horrific situation down here with a, another driver shot, another driver over Ugh. a simple fender bender road rage, a crazy thing. And I'm sure once they, they ask him, what were you thinking? He's like, he'll say, I wasn't thinking anything. I was just seeing red. I was furious. Right. And so we want to bring that, that, that sense of yes. And uh, uh, opportunity to a situation. So someone cuts us off. Yes, they cut us off. Ooh, right. Glad I'm okay. And now we, now the end is where we get to choose our response. And we remember Victor Frankel talks about there is a space between stimulus and response, right? That's right. Yes. If we just allow our emotions to run us, then there is it's stimulus response, right? That's why you lash out stimulus response. There's no space. So what we want to cultivate is a gap between stimulus and then response. Bigger the gap, the better. But even if we have a gap, inside the gap is where we get to choose our response. So that's why we, there wants to be a gap. So the guy cuts me off on the road. I'm noticing my anger. Instead of just reacting from that emotion, can I take a breath? 
Can I pause for a second, even if for a split second, can I pause, take a breath and ask, how do I really want to respond that is the best expression of me? Right, living your, so we have to know what the best expression of you looks like. We have to know who you are so that you can respond accordingly. And if I can, in that moment of reflection, I can pause and say, thank God he didn't hit me. Thank God he didn't hit someone else. I wonder what's going on in his or her world right now that's causing this, right? And now I can even go so far to say, I'm going to pray for them right now with whatever they're going through in their life. I'm going to pray for the other people that are on the road and pray for them to find a sense of peace because clearly this is not a state of mind that someone wants to be in. And now I can choose my response of, ooh, I'm just going to, you know, get my wits about me to make sure I don't injure anybody else. So, but it's in that, it's in that space. It's in that space where, yes, this has just happened. I'm feeling those emotions. Those emotions are natural, but I am not my emotions. So I'm now going to choose my response based on what happened. And if we can cultivate that, that space in the middle, it's going to make all the difference in the world. And, we, and that opportunity is given to us in less dramatic ways throughout our entire day. From the people that we love, how they're treating us, to, to just the weather outside, to, to all of these different things. Yes, it's raining outside and there's a wedding. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. And wow, okay. What can, we, you know, what can we do to still make this a magical experience? And so when we stay in that proactive, yes, this is happening, can't change that. And what can I do though? Because I know who I am and I can respond in a way that's still going to, um, to be the best representation of myself. And you know, last thing I'll say on that, Charlie, is you know, I think when we're really clear on the impact we want to have on other people, again, we can't control that. But I know that whenever I have an interaction with somebody, I want them to leave the interaction feeling better about themselves. And so I'm really conscious of any interaction I have with someone and they walk away and I go, ooh, I'm not sure the way I was speaking to them. They're walking away feeling better about themselves. Or I was so not present in that interaction that they're walking away with a pretty indifferent reaction. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be about indifference. I want to be about making people feel better about themselves. And when we're clear about the impact we want to have on others, that gives us a, an intention about how we are showing up moment to moment to moment. And so cut, cutting a guy off on the road who just cut me off doesn't really reflect the impact I want to have on other people. Wow. I, I mean, I, I literally, you know, I felt my, my, own physiological re reaction to the cut the guy cutting me off as you described it and then I, I actually found myself getting more relaxed as you talked about you know that space between stimulus and response and then how I can respond and, and I can imagine you know all of us can imagine that really can carry us through the whole day I mean you know if you have that lens of he disrespected me that you know <laughs> he put me at risk and all of a sudden you go to work and and your your coworker says hey did you get that report done or they're supposed to give you a report and they didn't get it done he's disrespecting now the whole world's disrespecting yeah, me it, yeah exactly that confirmation bias and you know i'm so lucky and, and blessed to have people like you and and it's so funny to hear you and and george mumford speak the same words in different ways about that he calls it the eye of the hurricane that space yeah. between stimulus and response yeah. and i know you guys have have shared a stage and inspired young young people before and and that same kind of ability to get from that amygdala that kind of adrenaline and cortisol rushing through our yep. body to that breath you know he talks about that awareness of breath and you just help people understand if you can even just for a split second you literally can change your whole day with yes that guy cut me off and Yeah, I yeah. get to I get to decide how I want to respond to him and it can change it can change your whole day. Yeah, and I love I mean, I love George talking about the eye of the hurricane and, and living in South Florida and having lived through about a half dozen of them now. <laughs> there is there is this really crazy, peaceful beauty in the middle of the eye of a hurricane. It's crazy because the hurricane moves in and you just get slammed, right? You are just you're you're bunkered down, you're getting slammed. And then you know that, oh my God, all of a sudden things get super quiet outside and there's no wind and there's no noise. And everyone goes outside and everyone's seeing your neighbors. Hey, you guys okay? You okay? How's your power? Everything, everything okay? And 
there's total peace. But if you pull out and look at the storm, you've got this enormous raging storm. But right in the middle, you've got total peace and safety and clarity. And, and what I love about that analogy is if, if we can stay on our toes and continue to move, we have to adjust because the storm is moving. We've got to move with it in order to stay in the middle, to stay in that eye. Ah, uh, that's such, oh, that is powerful. And that is exactly right. That is how, that is how we can actually stay there. And, you know, there's, there's a, a few other things in, in that lesson that you just gave us. And I think one of them is the importance of values. You know, when I tell my story, there was a period of my life where I, where I, where I didn't live by a set of values. You know, I, I had learned a lot of unhealthy behaviors. I was engaged in unhealthy behaviors as a result of my, my addiction and my alcoholism. And really the turning point in my life was when I got really intentional about identifying the values I wanted to live by and ingraining those into, you know, my subconscious so that in those situations, as you just talked about, I know what I, I know what I stand for. You know, I, I know what hope looks like. I know what yeah. perseverance looks like. I know what humility looks like. And, and those have been really important. And I don't think enough of us have been taught to really understand who we are. You know, we spend this kind yeah. of existence kind of just waking up and going from thing to thing and saying, you know, who, who, how do I really want to show up? And what, what really is important to me? What do I yeah. stand for? Yeah. What are the rules around those values? So thank you for sharing the importance of of, you know, how do I want to show up in the world and what do I hold true as values? Yeah. Well, yeah. What I love about that, Charlie, is, it, it, you know, we just, we can make it as simple as possible because all of us can think about the people who are most important in our lives, right? We can see them, we can feel them right now as we think about them. And then we ask ourselves, what impact do I want to have on these people, right? I want them, you know, how do I want my kids to feel loved by me? How do I want my, my wife to feel loved by me? How do I want my friends and now, I mean, those are very specific values that come back to you, right? I want them to feel seen. I want them to feel that I totally unconditionally accept them for who they are. I want them to feel totally supported. So all of these values come back. You're like, yeah, that's how I want them to feel. And then it becomes very practical. What behavior do I need to do in order to have that impact? And, and that's it, right? Like if I, if, if I want someone to feel supported, now I need to ask myself, what am, I, what am I doing today to make them feel supported? Or what have I done today to make them feel supported? Just like if I'm an athlete and I'm like, I want to run a marathon, I have to go, okay, what behavior did I do today that would, that would allow me to run a marathon? And so if we can take values, right? Just like when a company, when, it, when an organization creates values, and, and even this is a big part of what I do now, Charlie, is all right, take your values and a value values are just an idea until you turn them into behavior right until we take a value and actually turn it into behavior it's just an abstract thing and so you and i before we recorded we were talking about all the bracelets and stuff that i'm wearing and you're wearing and what habit you're working on and what habit i'm working on and it's like yeah so as we create routines and habits our routines and our habits the point of them is that they're reinforcing behavior that's why we do them. So, right, I'm like on day, what is it, 88 or of my yoga routine. That's right. And the yoga routine didn't come out of like, oh, I want to be this extremely woke individual who can says I do yoga. No, it's because I was noticing during the pandemic that I was physically stiff and feeling rigid and also knowing the value of, of yoga and breath work and presence and knowing that that is behavior that I want to have consistently throughout the day. So if I give myself a yoga routine, that is going to create better behavior. So the routine leads to the behavior. And so it's just a really practical approach to it. And, um, and, and so when, we, when we're able to, to whittle our days away to what activities do I, do, I do consistently, and what behaviors do those activities reinforce? And then we can start to look a little bit more critically at what we do and go, okay, that activity on its own, it's neither good or bad, but that activity reinforces this behavior, which is not or is in alignment with who I ultimately am aspiring to be. Yeah, that is, it's on the back of the, the note cards I send out is, is the, the, one of the principles I created for myself is simply is what I want in my life 
consistent with what I do in my life, you know? And to Perfect. your point, I use that example. I mean, I was just at the gym the other day and my golf, my, my coach was talking to me about golf and he asked how I was playing, what my handicap was. And I said, I'm a, I'm an 18, not I'm an 18.2, but I really want to be a 15. And then I had to stop myself and say, that's not actually accurate. I don't want to be, if I wanted to be a 15, then I'd go to the driving <laughs> range once a week and I'd go putt and I don't do either of those things. So I guess I really am very comfortable being an 18.2 and that's yeah. just the truth. And when I decide yeah. I want to get something different, then I'll do something different, but I can't get caught in this kind of mind game of, my intentions are going to actually get me there. I've got to match my intentions with my actions. And that's how yeah. you get lasting change in your life. So thank you for reinforcing that. Um, it's really important for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, you know, as we, we've got, I've got two things I want to cover because I want to talk about how live yes and can help people get unstuck. But before that, I want to, I want to cross the line of, uh, of being uncomfortable and do a little <laughs> improv and show people what yes and is. And so I'm going to ask you to kind of just set me up and, and then lead me through a, a few minutes of improv and, and I'll, yeah, let's, we'll, and have, and people can feel free to try this. You can try this at home. You don't you can need try. <laughs> yes. In the safety of your own home, you can try it uh, in your car. On a road trip, tell the kids, hey, put your screens away for a few minutes. Um, oh, I love it. And so, yeah, so this is, so we'll, we'll do, uh, we'll do a little yes and 101. And really, okay. again, I, I, I call it yes and 101, but this is, this is what improvisation is. And so you and I are going to tell a story, Charlie, we're going to tell it one idea at a time. So yes and, yes and, yes and. And so uh, um, we'll just, the scenario will be, you and I have some sort of plans this weekend. We'll find out what those plans are. And so we're gonna talk about the weekend and whatever idea you say to me, I'm gonna say yes, accept it and build off of the idea you gave me. And then you're gonna build off of the new idea I gave you by saying yes and, yes and. And so the story could go any crazy way, which is what improvisation is all about. And that's what happens when you open yourself up to the possibility and collaboration of yes and. And so, um, I'll give you the first opening statement and then we'll yes and from there. All right. I'm ready. Awesome. Oh man, Charlie. Whew, I got some great sleep last night because I am so excited about uh, our weekend plans. Yes. And I've been looking forward to getting together for so long. The pandemic has kept us apart. And now things are opening up and I'm, I'm excited about seeing you. Yes. And I am so pumped that you rented that Winnebago so we can take that road trip. Yes. And it's got room for about four or five other people. So I'm hoping both of our families can come along. Yes. And uh, my wife and kids are coming and uh, we're even bringing uh, our, our dog who uh, is really excited about the trip as well. Yes. And he should really get along with our cat cloud cloud is uh, it loves dogs and it'll be fun to have them both together. Yes. That should be quite the scene inside the Winnebago with the, uh, with the animals running after one another. Uh, and, uh, um, my plan was to, was to stop during the trip and, and, and adopt, you know, uh, adopt a rescue dog. Yes. Those, those dogs are in need of homes and, uh, we'll probably end up getting one as well. Yes. And I know that, uh, uh, you and I are using this trip as a way to, to raise money for, for, uh, for dog shelters all over the country. Yes, and that little shelter in South Florida that had that little Yorkie uh, is, is really in need of supplies. So I'm looking forward to, to directing some of our attention down to them. Yes, and that's where we're going to finish our trip. And we're going to have this giant uh, fundraiser for Corky the Yorkie. And uh, we're going to try to raise as much money for this shelter. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and we'll have plenty of dog food and and plenty of doggy bags for uh for all of these dogs and and it's amazing that a little trip in a winnebago can turn into a huge fundraiser for corky the Yorkie. yes and 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 to a tug of ola uh the miami dolphins quarterback is going to be there because he has half a dozen yorkies Oh boy. Well, ladies okay, and gentlemen, we'll right there. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that is yes. And where Travis and I started on a small Winnebago trip and ended up with a Miami dolphin sponsored fundraising event for Cor Corky, for Corky, the, Corky Yorkie. the Yorkie. Yes. Corky the Yorkie. Uh, and I have to tell you, if you've not been energized, um, 
and a little nervous, you definitely want to try <laughs> a little improv. That was awesome, Travis. Thank you so much. No. Well, what I love, what I love about that, Charlie, is again, I mean, it's, it's, it's when, when I get to do this in team environments and corporate environments and even the stiffest of environments or even the most like professional of environments, like working with professional athletes or working with, you know, like these, you know, high level, you know, uh, financial planners. When you, when you put them into a yes and, like everyone turns into kids. Like you just turn it, you're giggling because of like the silliness that comes out of having to say yes and. And there is a, there is a physical, there is a physical healthy reaction we have in our bodies when you say yes, right? No it's doubt I feel better. It's open, right? The universal yes of accomplishment is hands up. Yes, you cross the finish line. Yes, you put your, you get to the top of the mountain. You put your hands up in the Y pose, right? It's yes. And we also know the, the blockage that we feel when we're in a no mindset, when we're like, no, we actually get, you know, we get, we hunker down. No, yes is open. No is closed. So it's a good way to think about, so how we are approaching other people, are we, are we in a, not in a literal sense, but are we in an open mindset with the people that we're working with? Are we in a closed mindset? with the events that are happening to us? Are we open to them not having, like, you know, like I say all the time, Charlie, you don't have to like what is happening to you, but you have to say yes and to it. And then, and that's where the freedom is. So like even saying yes and to a crummy situation, like the yes, kind of like it almost, it almost shifts your emotional state to be open to, and now we can problem solve it. Now yeah, we can now we can deal with it instead of running away from it. Yeah, and that's I think that's you know a perfect segue because really getting into the solution and you know I know the the title of your book is is three words to get unstuck live yes and and you know given the the nature of our audience and and the inspiration that we're and the hope we're giving people and I'd just love you to talk a little bit about and and, and then share how people can follow you and find you because you know you've inspired inspired me and so many. Can you talk a little bit about how live yes and can help people? really get unstuck with some of the th challenges they face in their life before we wrap up, Travis? Yeah, that's a great way to finish, Charlie. Uh, again, three words for getting unstuck, live yes and. And just like Charlie and I told a story, he, neither one of us were thinking we're going to manipulate the story into being a, a, a quirky, yorky, you know, shelter story, right? It was building off of the next idea, the next idea, yes and, yes and. And so this idea of being stuck, right? You're, if you're a human, you have been stuck or you're currently stuck or you're stuck in some aspect of your life. That's what makes you human. So, A, we don't need to beat ourselves up for being stuck. It means you're human. But I think one of the reasons that, that, that people feel stuck is because the, the journey out of that stuckness feels too daunting, mm -hmm. right? It's yep. just too big, right? How do I? And so what we, we, we project, it's like running that marathon, right? If I'm, if I'm running mile one, thinking about mile 26, that mental fatigue is just going to shut me down. But if I'm running mile one and I'm just thinking, run mile one and then run mile two and then run mile three. So we're staying in this mindset of the only thing I can handle is what is happening right now. So to get unstuck, it doesn't have to be okay, I need to achieve my final destination. I know where I want to go or what improvement I need to make. What can I do right now to take a step in that direction? W literally, what do I have in front of me that I can say yes and to, right? Can I call a friend? Can I literally physically get up off the couch? If I'm noticing that like I am so out of shape and I am so not fit and I want to get fit, but man, I have so long to go. If we focus on how far we have to go, we're never gonna get there. But if I said to someone, hey, can you get up today and go for a walk around your neighborhood? They'll be like, of course I can go for a walk around my neighborhood. Awesome, let's do that. Let's, let, let's, that, let's have that be our starting point. And then tomorrow, how do you feel tomorrow? Can you do two blocks around your neighborhood? Yeah, I can do two blocks around there. Good. I can do, Travis, I can do five blocks, five. Don't worry about that. Let's, let's, let's start with one. So you and I, just like we're talking about these little mini habits that we have, if we can take a big change and break it down to little mini tweaks that we can make today, now we've created momentum, right? We want to set goals for ourselves that are so 
achievable that we can't not do them. Because once we achieve that goal, we're gonna we're just gonna bump it up a little bit, and then bump it up a little bit, and then bump it up a little. And before you know it, we're down that road, and the destination or the goal doesn't seem as as overwhelming. But then we just bring our attention back to where where am I today, and what can I do today? You know, win the day, kind of the the theme for our national team right now. It's all about win the day, right? What can I do today? What can I do today? And then even granular win this moment. What can I do right now to win this moment? The guy that just cut you off on the highway, let's win this moment. Let's win this moment for ourselves so that we can then win the rest of the day. And so if we can, if we can just simplify things, which is why yes and is happening in the present moment. Yes, and what can I do now? And it brings us back to what can I do now? Well, hey, um, I'm gonna do five push-ups. I haven't done push-ups in months. Like I'm going to do five push-ups today. Great, man! I did five push-ups today. That's that's five more than I've done in the last six months. Tomorrow, maybe I'll do six. Maybe I'll do ten, or just and, five again, or just five again, or four tomorrow because that's what I'm capable of tomorrow. So we've got to stop. We've got to stop beating ourselves up for where we are, and and be an acceptance, yes, of where we are. And realize that where we are is not where we've always been. And where we are is not going to be where we're always going to be. It's just where you are right now. So how are you able to collaborate with where you are right now, knowing that you aspire to be better? Great. Well, let's just, let's just win today. Let's win this moment. Uh, and our, and our, our minds love, you know, I love the way our minds work, I should say, because, you know, when we build discipline, little bits of discipline, you know, our minds really do get attached to either failure or success. And so yeah. if I see myself as a guy who does a push-up every day, I'm doing push-ups every day. If I see my guy, myself as a person who avoids doing push-ups every day, then I continue to avoid doing push push-ups every day. So thank you for, for, um, explaining to us how the, the principle of live yes and can help us get unstuck and and thank you for for all of the wisdom and, and for sharing your personality your hope and your inspiration and your your teachings with us today and i know people are going to want to um follow you more and we'll obviously uh tag all of your your uh profiles on the on the episode but can you just maybe share a little bit with people about you know where they can find you find your book and, and how they can follow you yeah, thanks. So my book is three words for getting unstuck. Uh, Live yes and. It's on Amazon uh, in paperback as well as Kindle for you Kindle readers out there. Uh, on social media, I'm everywhere, for, probably under at Live Yes and L I V E Yes and. Uh, and my website is liveyesand.com. Uh, and so Charlie, the other thing I want to put out there to your audience, and you know, I I'm you know I'm an improviser, so I'm always trying things. <laughs> I'm all yes, about you are. I'm all about engagement and connection. I love connecting with people. And I just did a series of talks um, for a group a few weeks ago. And at the end, I was like, hey, let's, I'm, I'm gonna give you guys a little yes and challenge. And, uh, and, and I, I told them to, um, to email me every day. Just email me a quick example of how they said yes and to a situation in their day, right? How, how did you say yes and to it? How did you accept it? And how did you respond to it? And I said, do that for 10 days. And after 10 days, I'll, uh, I'll drop a book in the mail to you um, for, for completing this yes and challenge. And like, you know, uh, there was probably 100 people between the two events and 10 people took me up on it, right? Oh, so every, every day I got this little gift in my inbox. Hey, Travis, and I don't need to know all the juicy details. We can be like, hey, my kid was throwing a fit instead of getting frustrated. I sat with him and let the storm pass. And then I gave him a hug and we moved on. Perfect. Boom. Yes. And done. Guy cut me off on the road. Instead of losing my mind, I took a deep breath. Boom. Awesome. Yes. And. And so it's just a little yes. And challenge to get ourselves to create a little bit of a, of a habit or uh, a way of getting used to saying yes. And more often. So I put that out there, Charlie, to all of your listeners. Uh, my email address is Travis L. Thomas, my middle initial L, Travis L. Thomas at Mac, MAC.com. So I invite you all to, uh, to take the 10 day yes and challenge. And, uh, and again, my contact information is on my website and all of that. So more than happy to extend that to everybody.
and we'll uh, we'll link it and that's ex- that's exciting and i'll i'll, I'll t- take you up on that and after this episode drops we'll uh we'll get some people to embrace uh the reality of their lives and the power that comes with the choice they make to do something different so um I, you know again travis i you know hopefully you understand how much you mean to me and and how much your your friendship has meant to me and so now for the for the big reveal on episode uh overcome out loud with Travis Thomas and and everybody knows I'm, I'm very transparent with my vulnerability. So we'll now let you know that last week, Travis and I recorded an episode of overcome out loud. (laughs) And I, in all of my wisdom forgot to hit record. So I had to let Travis know that it was one of the most inspiring episodes and I wanted to do it again. So, so this was take two of Travis and Charlie. And, and uh, as I left the house, my lovely Nina said, love you and hit record (laughs) so we got it we got it we had a great morning and and after after an afternoon for you and and brother thank you so much and i look forward to participating in the live yes and challenge and and thank you for all you do for for so many people thank you charlie and again there are no mistakes so uh, uh whatever happened last week and this this is the recording that was needed that's why that's why it happened so there are no mistakes um, and uh, no, Charlie, just a pleasure to be here and everything that you're doing personally and everything that you're doing with Overcome Out Loud. Um, you know, you're living your, you're living your yes and, or you're living your yes. I call yes your excellent self. So keep living your yes. Brother. I will, sir. Thank you so much, Travis. Have a great awesome. rest of your day. You too.